Everyone that comes to church this recently, they're glad to get the mask off. <laughs> so one thing they can do is take off the mask. Well, it's been a while. Frustrations, limitations, time, and yeah, a lot of patience. But we're here. And we indeed thank God for that. It's been a long time since we came. And it's good to be able to get released and get away and get to see the family and get to see the Irish family as well because it's a number of years now and we're getting to go. I'm actually getting to know some folks' names. <laughs> I mean, that, that's quite good, isn't it? Okay, I want to, I want to ask a lot of, some questions this morning. It's ministry rather than gospel. Now, I can do both, obviously, but uh, I felt this morning it would be nice just to get a book and in the time I've got, just to quickly get some questions uh, which we hope will help you as it did Paul the Apostle. I've put a title on it. Now, we've got a pastor and the pastor doesn't particularly like titles because he feels you've got to keep to that title. But in this book, there is only one title and it's Joy in abundance Philippians you know it's one of these books that you can go home and read it at your leisure and and just quickly read through it and you'll agree with me it's joy in abundance so the first question we ask what's the purpose of a book I think it was to thank the Philippians for the gift that they had sent Paul initially but more importantly it was to strengthen the believers within that early church by showing them the true joy that comes from Jesus Christ and from Jesus Christ alone. Now, happiness evokes visions of unwrapping a gift for your birthday or enjoying a holiday, which we haven't had for a while, or meeting the family or going out for a meal with friends. That's happiness. We enjoy that thing. And we all want to be happy. We all want to spend our time and our money, perhaps even chasing ideals, elusive ideals sometimes. But happiness depends on our circumstances. And when our circumstances change, when perhaps our loved ones pass away, or our health deteriorates, or our money is in short supply, it seems the party's over. It's unhappiness that seems to be coming in through our lives. And it's fleeing away and perhaps even despair sets in to our everyday lives. In contrast to that unhappiness, however, comes joy. Joy is that quiet, confident assurance of God's love and work in our lives. And he will be with us and be there, whatever the circumstances run about as our life. Because while happiness depends on our happenings, joy to us as believers depends on the Lord Jesus. There was no church that Paul was closer to than the Philippian church. He loved the Philippians and they loved Paul. And the measure of his closeness is seen in the help that they gave to Paul in his missionary life. There was 
trouble in the city as there always is in early churches, but nothing like the dangers or the heresies that were in other churches at that time. And it didn't threaten the life of the church too much. And Paul's cure was to have the same attitude of humble service as the Lord Jesus had in his life. Just need to read Philippians 2, chapter 2 to see that. So through this letter, the warmth of Paul's affection starts to shine and glow. And of course, there's always that courage that comes from him, which showed that he is ready for every circumstance of life. So after that kind of long introduction, let's ask ourselves another question. Who wrote this book? Of course we know fine, it's Paul. Absolutely. We see that. The Apostle Paul wrote it. This is what he said in chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship of his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love, being of the same spirit and the same purpose. So here was Paul, ministering at Philippi during his second missionary journey, spending about three months in that city. And we know from Acts 16 that the city came there and came about as a result of that vision that Paul had initially there in that place called Troas. During that first day in Philippi, Paul brought to faith people in Christ. People who would be the start, who would be the founders who would be the core of that young church at Philippi. Lydia, a woman, a business lady, a Roman soldier, people who were converted at that time. You see, Philippi was a Roman Roman colony, an important place, a Roman city. And when Paul and Silas was released from prison there in Acts 16, He made use of his Roman citizenship that he had. And he demanded that he be treated fairly according to what his purpose was granted to him. And so he he enjoyed that and used it to his advantage. But where are we then with this letter? Of the four epistles which Paul wrote, the Philippians was the last one. Near the end of his Roman imprisonment, in AD 61 and 62. There were three other epistles that he wrote. Ephesians, Colossians and Philemon. And they were sent by the hand of Tychicus because they were quite close to each other. However, the letter to Philippians was delivered by a man called Epaphroditus who came with Paul to visit him in Rome while Paul was in prison there. He came with financial help from the Philippians for Paul but unfortunately he took ill quite seriously in fact and had to stay until he recovered and as a result of that he decided to return to Philippi and Paul sent this letter with him to the Philippians at church question 3 
Why was this letter so important to the Philippians then and to us here today? Paul did not write this epistle as a result of a crisis as he did with the likes of the Colossians or the Galatians in their church. No, he wrote to express his appreciation and his affection to each of the people who were in that church. More than any other church, he offered, Paul offered financial support which he got and for that ministry and so he really reveled in that and thanked them for that. And so Paul's affection for those people is clear throughout this letter and it encouraged them to live out their faith and their joy and their unity with one another as a church and to one another. We could have read a few well-known passages here in this, this letter. Chapter 1 and 6, chapter 1 and 21, 4 and 13, 4 and 4. But surely the view of Jesus Christ as a humble servant is also shown here in these chapters. And in 5 and 11, in that passage, we see there how Jesus became a humble servant for each of us today. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Tremendous words there in Philippians 2. And of course, it was for the people of Philippi as well. But how do we apply Here's another question. How do we apply it today in our own Christian lives? Surely that's important. People today want to be happy. They're tossed about by daily failures and circumstances, inconvenience, especially at this particular time within our life. Things that we, we normally do, we can't do. There's so many restrictions being placed upon us. And yet we're told to be joyful in every circumstance. So that surely means that we're gathered here today. As believers, we can be joyful in everything. Even perhaps when things are going badly. Even when we continue to complain about one thing or another, we still can be or should be joyful within our own personal lives. Christ still reigns. Hallelujah. And we still know him and can rejoice at him at all times. Dear brothers and sisters today as Christians, we can have contentment within our Christian life. No matter what happens, our joy comes from knowing Christ personally in our daily walk with him. And we can have joy even when difficulties come about us. You see, joyful joy doesn't come from an outward circumstance. It's in here. It's an inner strength within our lives. We don't rely on what we have materially or what we experience physically to give us joy. But we have the joy because of the salvation which we have in the Lord Jesus. Didn't Christ himself show this true humility when he laid aside his rights and his privileges within his life as God to become human? to become in our same likeness. He poured out his life to pay the penalty that we deserved. He laid aside his self for our interest. And we need to take that attitude, that same attitude that he had in our service for others and to people who we know. To renounce our 
own personal recognition and their own merits and to serve with joy and with love and with kindness and as we hear, see today with humility as well. The secret of Paul's joy was Christ's power within his life. It was grounded in his relationship with the Lord. And it's, and it's because of that he can show us how we can live, yes, successful lives in our Christians. We can become mature by being so identified with the Lord himself. For he is a source of power. He is our guide. We develop things in our life and our character because we have begun with Christ's work and God's work in us. And that growth requires discipline. It requires a walk with life in life of obedience and work in our part and what we do as we live this life. I suppose most of us have had one possession or maybe more than one possession which meant a lot to us. It gave us joy within our life. People may have treasured memories or something of value of their life. It may not be much, but it's special to us personally in our individual lives. And what we have also stashed away in our minds are some things which bring us great joy. But there are also other things, memories, which give us unhappiness when we think about them. Problems, anxiety, even sometimes anger or envy in one way or another. And so Paul in this letter addressed a more positive way to think. Don't think of the negative things. He encouraged the people in this church to always rejoice. That's the words he used. Uplifting words on what we should think about. And it helps us to see that it's possible, that it's possible in, in our everyday life to push away the dark things in our life and to put our hearts and our minds set on Jesus himself. So when the thoughts that fill up our minds are true and noble and right and pure, as he says in Philippians 4 and 8, we keep that peace and we keep that joy within our lives and in our hearts. Paul's joy at the mere thought of the Philippian believers in the letter is undeniable. It's that same joy that he wants us to possess as well. To lead this church to the truth of this, Paul took them directly, not to himself, not to leaders of the church, but to Christ himself. He taught them that a community of believers living in harmony with one another comes only through mutual humility modelled after the Saviour. Paul tells us that Jesus Christ poured out his life as an offering for our sake, leading Paul to find great joy and contentment in serving him to the best of his ability. And so this letter shows the Philippians that by centering their lives on the Lord, they too might be able to live with true joy. And that's something that we can achieve here today. After all these years, it's still the same story. And that's encouraging to us within this fellowship and within this church. 
So, although we have so much to be thankful for, sometimes the pressure of life in general can squeeze that joy from us. And suddenly, instead of us being able to enjoy it, other things come in. There can be days, there can be times, there can be weeks in our life when we find it difficult to get that true joy. We look and we search for it in all kinds of ways. We acquire possessions, we go places, we see other people and sometimes they might give us some sort of help. But surely to provide lasting joy, we find it through Christ and through the people of the Lord in fellowship with them. Paul knew, as did the Philippians, that true joy only comes through humble faith in the saving work (coughs) of the Lord Jesus himself. Joining ourselves in harmony with his followers and serving others in his name and for the sake of God's Son, the Lord Jesus. This was the life experienced by the Apostle Paul all these years ago. But he passed it on to the Philippians and he wrote this letter so that we can also enjoy it. It's available to us here today, this morning. And as we look at the theme of this letter, we can center our life around the Lord Jesus and have that experience of true joy. There were Christians in Rome, perhaps even in Caesar's palace, We're told in Philippians 4 and 21, Paul was awaiting his trial and he would be witnessing while he was there. He wasn't sitting back in prison doing nothing. And if you and I had been in prison, I thought we'd probably think, well, there's not much we can do here. But there was Roman soldiers, there was jailers. And Paul took advantage of that and he witnessed to them because these same soldiers didn't stay in Rome. They moved about the other countries to take them over. They were moving from country to country in different lands and the gospel spread as a result of that. So while Paul was preaching to people in churches, even when he was in prison, he still was doing the same service through that wonderful joy that he had. And the Roman Christians and those at Philippi were brothers and sisters together, regardless of their race. They were together in Christ. They were united as one. And we can be linked, can't we, with our different characters and personalities that we have. We can, go, we can know that we can believers today linked with others across cultural, economic, social barriers. We are part of a great and a large family today, friends. A family of God. So while the Christian, while the Philippian church was made up of many kinds of different folk, as is so many other churches even today, they were learning to serve together in unity and in love. So while he was even a prisoner in Rome, Paul learned the true secret of peace and joy and he was able to serve others as a result of it. And we today, we can focus our minds and our life on the Lord Jesus. We can also learn of this humility and this joy and this peace that can be ours. We too can be motivated to live for him 
in our individual lives and also as a church, living to serve him to the best of our ability. And as we live confidently in him, because we have this great verse at the end of this book, may the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon each of us. Surely we give that blessing to you today. We allow this abundance of real joy that we have to find that through the Lord Jesus Christ himself, he will guide us in our everyday life and in our church life and in a harmonious life and a life which means so much to him as we give him back our adoration and our thanks and our worship and our praise for all he has done for us in our life. Let's just pray to him. Father, we come to you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. We want to thank you for what it means to us just to be together like this. We acknowledge that we have this great life because of this power and the victory that Christ has given us and that he has given us this love and joy in our lives. He has made us alive. He has made us anew. He has given us salvation and all that through his death on the cross. While we're once walking differently today, we can say, by His grace, we have been saved. So we thank you for our coming together. We thank you we're able to do this today and to enjoy it today and to know that as we worship Him in your house, we can be blessed. So we continue with us as we praise you for all it means to know Him and may we be able to give to Him the very best that we can give as we give Him our life. We ask you'll accept it from us now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen. And the people of God said, Amen.